Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. We're living in the age of Humpty Dumpty. Our new normal is filled with shattered pieces. And there is a sense in which uh, with uh, cataclysmic uh, uh, events of nature and uh, challenges in terms of a coronavirus and relationships in our home feeling fragile, even fractured. Add to that, we're in the middle of an election year, which uh, the last two uh, uh, seasons of presidential election has created great chaos in the church and in our lives. Many of you have family members that aren't talking to you right now because of the election. And many of you have family members that started talking to you because of the election. We're living in the age of Humpty Dumpty. Uh, more than that, more than cataclysmic events of nature, more than COVID-19, more than uh, the chaos of, of an election year, people are broken. And we see that brokenness all around us. And people are broken in their spirit and in their heart and in their and in their mind, they're broken, and, and they're looking for something to put them together again. We're living in a new normal. It's a new day, and, and it, it's shown every time we gather together with masks and six feet of distancing. We're living in a new normal, but friends, the mission that Jesus gives the church remains the same. In fact, I would contend that the urgency of the mission that we have today uh, should match the urgency of the brokenness that we see in our world today. This church and our 200-year history was made for this moment. And the question is, will we rise to the occasion? Last week, we looked at our mission uh, revealed in Matthew chapter 28. Jesus uh, met with his disciples on a hillside outside Galilee, and he gave the marching orders for this church in 2020, and 2021, and 2025, and 2045, if he tarries. He said, words of Jesus, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, as you go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I've taught you, and lo, behold, look at it and see, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. The mission of this church is to make disciples. You know, we 
describe it in a particular way in the, uh, the, the little video clip that comes before uh, me standing up here. It says, First Norfolk exists to glorify God by leading all the people within, winning and leading all the people within our reach to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. That's our mission, and it hasn't changed. But that mission depends upon you and me fulfilling what Jesus describes in John chapter 20. Our text this morning is John chapter 20, verses 19 through 23. And as we look at this passage, what we begin to see and sense from Jesus to us is that, yes, our mission is changed, and yes, we're separated by six feet, and yes, we have masks on our faces, but we are still sent to those who are hurting and hopeless in our world. Listen to what Jesus declared in John chapter 20, beginning in verse 19. Now, the setting of this passage is pretty clear. Jesus is killed on a cross. And he was killed for sinners like you and me. He died in my place as the sacrifice for my sin. And in his death, he provided forgiveness for sinners who by faith would call upon him as Lord, as their rescuer. Jesus is killed on a cross. But then, at the beginning of chapter 20, he is raised from the dead to declare that There's a new beginning for all who are followers of Jesus. There's a new life, a life found in fellowship and friendship with God, a life that is marked, not perfectly yet, but marked by the design that God has had for humanity from the very beginning of time, from his first creative word when he said it is good. This resurrection from Jesus from, uh, of Jesus from the dead marks a new day that is dawned so that death and darkness no longer become the gloom and doom of our existence. But now we live by the light of a rolled away stone and a resurrected Savior. Sin has been defeated. Death has been destroyed. And we now, as followers of Christ, live in the light of God's great glory. Everything changed through the death and the resurrection of Jesus for me. I mean, for me it changed. Not just for the followers of Jesus 2,000 years ago, but for me everything changed. It's through his death that my sin is paid for and I'm made fit for the family of God. It is through his resurrection that I now live in the hope and the power of that fellowship with God, being part of his family. And if you're a follower of Jesus The death and resurrection means everything to you. In fact, if the death and resurrection of Jesus doesn't mean everything to you, you're not a follower of Jesus. You're just a follower of code of conduct and religious ritual. The death and resurrection of Jesus has shaped my life. So now Jesus goes to those, those first followers of Jesus, He goes to them, they're locked away, scared and shivering and shaking because their Savior's been killed, their leader, their rabbi, their teacher has been killed. That's the setting. Now, listen, beginning in verse 19, John chapter 20, verse 19. Then the same day, 
That's the day of Christ's rolled away stone. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came. Just stop right there. The door is shut. It is locked. But that is no obstacle to Jesus, our resurrected King. No amount of fear, no amount of closed doors can stop him from showing up with us. And that's where he is right now, with us. Jesus has appeared. He is with us. And Jesus came, and he stood in their midst, and he said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were infused with joy. Your translation may say they were glad. It literally means they were soaking in joy, infused with joy when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you. See, twice he says it. He'll say it again in verse 26. He says, peace be with you. Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. As we look at this passage we see that Jesus came on a mission. And Jesus came on a mission. He says in verse 21, he says, as the Father sent me, I also send you. Well, let's take that first part. What does it mean, as the Father sent me? In John 17, we hear Jesus uh, in this high priestly prayer just before he's killed on a cross. In John 17, 18, he says, "Uh, Father, as you have sent me, I also send them. That's you and me. But what is the mission that the Father sent the Son on? Well, we hear about it in John 17, verses 1 through 4. The Scripture says that Jesus lifted his eyes to heaven and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son might also glorify you as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he might give eternal life to as many as you have given to him. And this is eternal life, that they might know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I've glorified you on the earth. I've finished the work you've given me to do. Now, what what was the mission upon which Jesus embarked when he left the throne room of heaven, fully God, and he became a man in Bethlehem, a little baby? What was the mission upon which Jesus embarked as he grew in wisdom and in stature and favor with God and man? What was the mission that Jesus embarked upon as he began his earthly ministry as he was baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist, as he came preaching the good news of the kingdom of God, as he began healing the sick, as he began... Uh, 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 frustrating the religious as he uh, came giving sight to the blind and life to the dead. What was this mission upon which Jesus embarked, sent from the Father, as he gave himself to die on a cross for sinners like you and me, as he breathed his last and he, as he declared, it is finished. What was this mission upon which Jesus embarked as he lay dead in the tomb and as God rolled away the stone and raised him from the dead and now as he appears before his disciples and as he is present with us here and now? What was this mission? 
It was to glorify God by taking eternal life to those of us, all of us dead in our sin and our trespass. I'm alive today, not because I'm breathing. I'm alive today because Jesus died in my place and was raised from the dead, and I placed my faith in him. Jesus came on a rescue mission, a mission to rescue sinners like you and me. We who are far from God because of our sins, separated from him. Jesus came to restore to us God's perfect design to bring us into his family. It is sin that separated us from God. We were dead, broken in our sin and our trespass. But Jesus came to make us alive together with him. Today, by grace, we have been saved, rescued. It's not of our works, lest any of us should brag or boast about it. It is the grace of God given to us through faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus came on a rescue mission to help you and me broken in this world and to make us whole and to give us life. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This is the mission upon which Jesus was sent. And today he looks to you and to me and he says, as the Father has sent me, I now send you. Jesus sends us, his church, on a mission to bring help to hurting people in this world, to bring hope, to bring a wholeness of life. As the Father sent the Son, so the Son sends his followers. That's you and me. That's this church. We're on a mission into a hurting world with peace and hope and joy. And Jesus came on a rescue mission, and oh, how we need that rescue. Do you know people are living during this time increasingly helpless and hopeless, especially now? I was thinking through the different television shows that I watched as a young person, and how those shows reflected where we are today, and and I came up on Gilligan's Island. Some of you might not know Gilligan's Island. If you don't, go ahead and watch it. It's great. Here we have a a person named Gilligan and the skipper and Mary Ann and Ginger and the uh, millionaire, Mr. and Mrs. Howell, and and, uh, the professor, and they all went on a three-hour cruise, but then a storm came up, and they were on the SS Minnow, and, and the ship was stranded on a desert island, and for the next seven seasons, they could not get off the island. They could make radios out of coconuts, but they couldn't fix a hole in a boat. And every time some rescue was promised to them, every time some little tidbit of hope came shining in the darkness of their desert island, that hope was dashed and their rescue was lost. You realize that's how people feel today. They feel like 
there is no rescue. There's no help. But Jesus looks to you and to me and he says, I'm the rescue, and now I'm sending you to them so that they can take hold of it. In my house, um, there have been many times when my daughters or my wife have called me or said to me, Daddy or Eric, will you go to the store for me? And my first response, almost my only response is, yes, of course I will. You know why? Because of my delight and my duty, but most of all because of my love for my wife and my daughters. Now, if you ask me to go to the store, it's a different story. But when my wife says, Eric, will you go to the store? I mean, right now in the back of my car, I've got a propane tank. It's empty. But the reason it's in the back of my car is because my wife asked me, Eric, will you stop and get us some propane for our grill? We've got some grilling to do. And I said, of course I will. You've experienced that, haven't you? You've experienced those people in your life. Will you go to the store and because of your duty or your delight or because your love for that person, you say, well, yeah, of course. Friends, if you get nothing else today, get this. Jesus is looking at you, and he's asking you today, will you go for me? Will you go for me? Will you say yes, of course, and do it? As we look at this encounter between Jesus and his disciples, we see hints of this mission upon Je which Jesus is sending us. And it's reflected in how he relates to the disciples who have been transformed by their encounter with Jesus. It begins with these two phrases that Jesus uses in this passage. He says, peace be with you. In verse 19, and then verse 20, he says, peace, uh, verse 21, he says, uh, peace uh, to you. And this idea of peace is really what the disciples needed as they're cocooning in fear, as they're afraid, and as they're walking in the brokenness that death, his death would bring. Jesus appears and he says, okay, first of all, let me tell you, I'm not dead. Here I am. I'm alive peace to you. The death of Jesus on a cross and the resurrection from Jesus from the dead is the fulfillment of a promise of peace that he offered in John 14, verse 27. In John 14, 27, Jesus was with his disciples and he said, peace I leave with you, peace, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Jesus was saying, I'm going to give you peace. And it's a peace that will satisfy your soul. Oh, we need that kind of peace. Now, peace is not merely the absence of conflict. Peace, the peace that Jesus offers, the peace that we find in both New Testament and Old Testament, it's, it is a peace that makes us whole. In my house, if a sink is broken, I call a plumber because if I try to fix it myself, it gets broken all the more. 
If my car is broken, I call a mechanic because if I try to fix it myself, it's broken all the more. If a bone, if a bone on my body is broken, I'm going to call a doctor because if I try to fix it myself, it's broken all the more. And Jesus says, there are people all around us who are broken, but who do they call? And he looks at you and me and he says, I'm sending you to them so that their broken lives can find wholeness through faith in Jesus. And Jesus offers peace to us, and it's a peace that we enjoy, but it's that peace that we are sent to share. We have peace to share with a world that is broken. Just look around, Humpty Dumpty, all over the place. There are people across the cul-de-sac, across the street, down the road, who are broken, and they need peace. They need a wholeness of life, and they need Jesus. And Jesus is sending you to them. There's people in your family, friends that you have, and their lives are broken, and they need to be made whole. They're trying to fix it themselves, and they're broken all the more, and Jesus is sending you to them so that they can be made whole. There are people in your school. There are people at your work. There are friends that you know, and they're broken, and they need to be made whole, and Jesus is their only answer. And Jesus sends you and me who have found peace to people who are without peace so that they can find peace. And the question is, will you go to that person? Jesus asks, will you go for me? I say, well, I just, I don't know how to go. I don't know what to do. How can I communicate to a person that's broken that they can be made whole? Well, just begin with the purpose that God has given. God has a purpose for their life. Tell them, God has a purpose. The creator of the universe has a purpose for your life. He made you so that you might live in friendship with him, so that you might exist in this grand design, this, this design that is soaking in peace, not broken by sin. God has a purpose for your life. He loves you. He, he has a purpose for your life. But tell them about their problem. It's a problem that you know full well. It's called sin. Our sin has separated us from God, and it keeps us from experiencing the peace that we long to know. It's, a, it, it's sin that has created the brokenness in our soul. And every person has done it, and you know about it because you once were stuck in the brokenness that sin had created. You tell them God has a purpose. He loves you. He has a purpose for your life. He but you've got a problem just like I had a problem, and it's sin. And that sin has separated you from God and from his family, and there's no fix for that that you and I can do. So God sent a person. His name is Jesus. Jesus came from heaven's throne. Jesus, who is fully God, became a man so that he might pay the price for our sin. He died on a cross so that our sin... And the debt of our sin might be paid for. He was raised from the dead so that we might have a new life through faith in him. Yes, God has a purpose. He loves you. And he longs for you to be in his family. But you have a problem. It's your sin. It's keeping you from God and from a whole life. 
So God sent Jesus on a rescue mission to die for your sin upon a cross to be raised from the dead to give you a new life. If you will turn from your sin and trust in him, if you will repent your sin and believe on Jesus, then you can find peace. No longer broken, but you can be made whole. And Jesus looks to you and to me and he asks, will you go for me and share peace with hurting people? We have peace to share with others. Will you go for Jesus? We have a message of hope to share with a hurting world. We have a message of hope to share. When we look at this encounter between Jesus and his disciples, Scripture says that Jesus showed his wounds on his wrists and upon his side. And certainly those wounds remind us of 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 what Jesus did for sinners. It's a reminder that Jesus died for our sin. But it's also a reminder of his resurrection. Here he is standing before sinners, standing before his disciples in our presence today, the glorified, risen Savior. Death no longer defeat, defeats us. Sin no longer controls us when we're in the grip of the one who conquered death and sin forever. Jesus sends us on a mission, and on that mission, we have a message of hope to share. In a recent survey um, that was done in June during the pandemic, it says, it says a little over 40% of Americans feel hopeless at least three days a week. Over 40%, almost 50% of Americans feel hopeless. Now, those are the people that you know. Those are the people down the street. Those are the people across the cul-de-sac. Those are the people that you know. Those are the people in your life. They are feeling hopeless. And they're separated from God by their sin. And Jesus is sending you and me into their world to help them find hope through faith in Jesus Christ. How can you help someone feeling hopeless? How can you help them find hope today? You tell them that God loves them. He has a purpose for their life. God longs to live in fellowship with them. But they've got a problem, and that problem is their sin, and that sin has separated them from God, and they can't fix it on their own. So God sent a person. His name is Jesus. And Jesus died for sinners paid the price that their sin required in the sight of a holy God to make them fit for God's family. Jesus did that out of love for us. Jesus was raised from the dead. And friends, if Jesus is raised from the dead, we are a people who have hope. We live in the hope of the resurrection no longer confined to the cell of our shame. Jesus' death has given us hope of forgiveness. No longer confined to the cave of death. The stone's been rolled away and the bright light of hope bursts on the scene of our humanity. 
We tell them that Jesus has given them a way to experience hope every day. Regardless how helpless they may feel, they're following after the one who has conquered death, hell, and the grave. If they will trust in Jesus and turn from their sin. If they'll repent and believe on Jesus, then they will have a hope that does not fade. A hope that remains and is steadfast and strong. That's what the person down the street needs. That's what your neighbor needs. That's what your coworker needs. They need hope that's found through friendship with God, through faith in Christ. And Jesus declares, as the Father sent me, I also send you. Will you go for me? We go for him because we have peace to share and we have a message of hope to deliver. And we go because we have joy to share. We have joy to share. We're living in a hapless time, aren't we? I mean, uh, I, I can only imagine the country songs that are going to be written during COVID. And they're going to be filled with all kinds of doom, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Doom, despair, and agony on me. We live in a joyless time. In that same survey that I mentioned before, the survey reported that 51% of Americans have no delight in their everyday life. They need joy. And Jesus sends us on a mission to deliver the joy that he's planted in our heart to share that joy with them. Scripture says that when the disciples saw Jesus, they were infused with joy. They were glad when they saw the Lord. Friends, they were glad because Jesus is our joy. Psalm 16, verse 11 that I mentioned before, Psalm 16, 11 says that God, you lead us in the path that gives us life. In your presence is the fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Do you want to know what joy is? Joy is living in friendship and fellowship with the living God seated at his table. Joy flows not along relationship, but uh, not along the line of circumstance, but joy flows along the line of relationship and the fullest measure of joy is found in relationship with God. And there are people down the street who need joy, and Jesus sends you and me to share joy with them. We have this joy to share, a joy that is found through the forgiveness of sin, no longer burdened by the guilt and the shame that once beat us down. We're forgiven because Jesus has rescued us. 
We have joy because we're walking hand in hand with the living God seated at his table, sons and daughters of the king. We have joy that does not fade, a joy that is full. That's what we have as followers of Christ. And Jesus sends us to share that joy with others. He says, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. Will you go for me? You might say, well, how do I share joy? How do do I help my neighbor, my coworker, my classmate? How can I help them find joy? Just begin with a conversation. Hey, did you know that God loves you? He has a purpose for your life. He longs to live in friendship and family with you. But you've got a problem, and it's called sin. I've got that problem too. And there's nothing I can do to make up for the sin that I have done. And that sin that I have done separates me from God and his family. And so I live in this life uh, without hope and without joy and without peace. I can't fix it on my own. So God sent Jesus, this person who is fully God, yet he became a man so that he might die on a cross in my place and for my sin. God raised him from the dead so that I, through his death and resurrection, might find forgiveness and a new life. So I might walk in joy as he brings me into his family. And you can have this joy if you will turn from your sin and trust in Jesus as your only hope in this life and for eternity. Jesus says, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Will you go for me? You might say, well, Eric, I want to say yes. I I want to. I want to this week. I I want to say yes. But Eric, don't you understand how, how scared I am? Yes, I get scared too. And don't you understand how difficult it is to talk behind a mask to somebody else who is behind a mask? Don't you understand how difficult it is? Yes, I get it. But friends, we are on mission for the one who walks through closed doors. He can speak through a mask. He can open hard hearts. He can help even you and me, filled with fear, be empowered by the Spirit that gives us courage to speak. When Jesus breathed on his disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit, he was equipping them with the very presence of God in their everyday life so that they might fulfill the mission upon which Jesus has sent us. Next week, we're going to look more closely at this gift of the Holy Spirit and how that influences us on our mission But let's just begin right here, right now. I mean, right here, right now. There are people in your world, people with whom you work, people in your neighborhood, people across the street or across the room. There are people in your family. There are people who are your friends. There are strangers that you're going to meet this week, and each one is an opportunity for you and for me to go for Jesus. Jesus. 
How can we step across that line where we actually begin talking about God's purpose and our problem and the person and the response? How can we do that? Today, will you commit to pray? Just pray. Just begin praying and pray every morning that you wake up. Let this be your beginning day prayer. Oh, God. I commit myself to go for you. Will you open my eyes to see the people to whom you are sending me? And will you open my mouth to speak the words your Spirit gives me? That I might help my friend, my family member, my neighbor, the stranger, the classmate, the co-worker. That I might help those hurting people. find peace in their brokenness, find hope in their hopelessness, and find joy in a friendship with you. Will you commit to pray that prayer every day? And if we do, make no mistake, God will give us the opportunity Jesus says, as the Father sent me, I also send you. And he asks us, will you go for me? Would you bow your heads in prayer? Oh God, in this moment as we have heard from you, and as we hear the mission upon which you're sending us, the same mission upon which you sent your Son, may we, your church called First Norfolk, commit ourselves to move beyond barriers of masks and fear, and be faithful in fulfilling the mission that you've given us. We pray, O oh God, that you would encourage our hearts and that your Spirit would ignite the flame of passion so that the urgency of this day might be matched with an urgency for us fulfilling the mission that you've given us. Now, Father, remind us of what you've done for us through Christ. As you showed your disciples the wounds of your wrists and side, may we see those wounds fresh and new today. As a reminder, not merely of the price that you paid out of love to give us forgiveness for sin, but also the victory that is ours who belong to you. And may it compel us to live the mission victoriously so that those who are lost might be found. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.